to build, what to build. Oh, come on, Lucy. Wow, you're a builder. You're a maker. You're a... <gasps> I got it! Tool call. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. Wrench. Drill. Drill. Great job, Kapow. Great job, Kapow. Oh, no, wait, that's me. Great job, Lucy Wow. Oh, brother. Now all we have to do is turn this thing on. Let the show begin. Hello, one and all. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, coming to you live from Lucy Wow's barn in Pflugerville. Now, you may know me best as Lucy's sidekick, or perhaps you know me as Pflugerville's most successful piano eater. That's right, I can eat a baby grand piano faster than you can eat a baby back rib. But today, I won't be eating musical instruments. I'll be hosting this podcast about my favorite subject, invention. Now, you may be thinking, why does Kapow love invention so much? Well, my friends, I'll tell you why. I love invention because I was invented. That's right. Every inch of me from my body made of tools to my butt that plays music like a boombox was invented by Lucy Wow. How could I not love inventions when I am one? Inventions are everywhere and so are inventors. In fact, you might be an inventor yourself and not even know it. Anyone from anywhere can be an inventor. All it takes to get started is a little imagination, a lot of determination, and a cool mustache doesn't hurt. <laughs> Which brings us to today's invention. <laughs> Nintendo! Now, everybody knows that Nintendo is a video game company. Almost everyone has played some form of Nintendo, from the Game Boy to the Switch, and even the people who haven't probably still know who Mario is. But how did this video game company and that mustached plumber become household names? Well, believe it or not, the answer to that question begins over 100 years ago. That's right! Nintendo started in Japan in 1889 making card games, and they were still making card games to the 1970s, when the first hit video game was released. That game was called Pong, and was made by a company named Atari. Pong was a basic game, where two straight lines moved up and down the sides of the screen, bouncing a circle back and forth. With today's modern games, it's hard to imagine anyone being impressed by a bouncing circle, but Pong changed the world. People could not get enough of it. Nintendo saw this and decided they would set the cards to the side and give video games a try. Now, back then there weren't a lot of home systems, so you had to go to an arcade in order to play most video games. One of the games in 1979 was made by Nintendo. It was called Raiderscope. Raiderscope was a huge success in Japan, but it failed in the US. Rather than give up on Raiderscope, Nintendo decided to tweak it for the American audiences. A designer at Nintendo named Shigeru Miyamoto came up with the idea of adding a mustached hero and renamed it Donkey Kong. And my goat, what a difference a name and a mustache makes. This new version of the game was a giant hit and soon, Nintendo became Japan's leading arcade game developer, with Mario as its logo. In 1983, Nintendo decided to build a video game system for the home. It was called Nintendo Family Computer, commonly referred to as the Famcom. The system became very successful in Japan, but before it made it to the US, the video game industry hit a speed bump. You see, the target audience of video games was kids. 
and companies back then thought that kids couldn't tell the difference between good and bad. Because of this, companies didn't bother working very hard on the games they were releasing. Soon, arcades were filled with poorly made games that weren't fun to play. Well, it turns out, those companies were wrong about you kids. As fast as the video game industry became popular, it became unpopular. The whole industry crashed in 1983 with arcades closing and American stores no longer selling video games. The kids had spoken. They wanted quality. So Nintendo decided that they would give the kids just that, a new kind of system with a new kind of game that was better than anything anyone had ever seen before. The redesigned system was called the Nintendo Entertainment System, or in short, the NES. Before the NES, video games had always been played with joysticks, but Nintendo had designed a horizontal controller. No one had ever seen anything like it. It looked cool and fun, like a toy, and the video games you could play on it, like Super Mario Bros. and Duck Hunt, were so fun that video games became popular again. Nintendo enforced strict rules for games on its system. Only games that Nintendo thought were high quality were allowed. In addition, Nintendo restricted developers from releasing more than five games per year because they wanted them to take the time to do it right. This quality control and respect for kids kept the industry from getting lazy. And soon, video games were bigger than anyone could ever imagine. Since then, Nintendo has produced some of the most successful consoles in the video game industry, such as the Game Boy, the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo DS, the Wii, and the Switch. It has created numerous franchises, including Mario, Donkey Kong, The Legend of Zelda, Pokemon, Kirby, Animal Crossing, and Super Smash Bros. Nintendo is one of the biggest companies in the world, and if you ask me, it's all because people love a good mustache. Oh, hi there! Welcome back to Pflugerville! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's sidekick is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Every day is a new adventure in building and invention. But luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have energy for projects of my own, like... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> power nap. Where was I? Oh, right, my special side project. This podcast is dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right, Lucy Wow invented me in order to add a little kapow to her wow. Now, when it comes to listening to music, I prefer to use my boombox butt. But I know that I'm special to have a body part that plays polka. For the rest of you out there, when you want to hear a sweet tune, you need a speaker, a stereo, or maybe today's invention. Headphones. That's right, kids. Those tiny speakers that can bring a goat-hosted podcast into your ear for only you to hear was invented. Let's take a look at how. In-ear listening devices have been around since the early 1800s. You know the listening tool that the doctor wears around their neck? The one they used to listen to your heart? Well, that's called a stethoscope. Back in the day, Thomas Edison, the guy who invented the record player, had hearing problems. 
he attached a stethoscope to his early version of the record player so he could hear the music his invention was playing. Soon everyone was doing it! Submachines even came with multiple sets of ear tubes so that several people could listen to the same song at once. People even started attaching them to the telephone. Now, these early headphones came in two styles. Some went over the ear and covered it, while others were placed inside the ear canal. But while these ear tubes existed, it wasn't until the 1980s that they became cool. You see, this is when the Sony Walkman came out. The Sony Walkman was a new and exciting way to listen to music. Back then, music came either on records or on small rectangles made of plastic called tapes. You could play these tapes on big devices called tape players, but the Walkman could play these tapes and fit in your pocket. People didn't want the music in their pocket though. They wanted it in their ears. So the Walkman came with headphones that you could wear. This was an exciting new innovation in music listening, but it wasn't perfect. The headphones of the era didn't always fit well. Some were too loose and others were too tight. And even the ones that did fit didn't stop other sounds like a meowing cat or a screaming sister from getting in your ear. Plus, you needed a wire to go from your pocket to your headphones. And this wire could get caught on stuff like a meowing cat or a screaming sister. But with the invention of digital music and Bluetooth in 1999, the connecting wire was history. Bluetooth is technology that allows for a device like a phone or a computer to connect to a speaker through the air. Around this time, there were huge advancements in the world of quieting down called active noise cancellation. Noise cancellation uses microphones and speakers to reduce background and surrounding noises. With today's modern headphones and earbuds, you can listen to your favorite goat talking about invention while your sister and cat play the drums in the same room and not miss a word. Wow! Back in the 1950s, Ray Bradbury wrote a book called Fahrenheit 451. In that book, he describes a new futuristic technology that allows people to get the radio beamed directly to devices in their ears. He describes the earpieces as looking like a seashell radio. Back then, this idea was so wild, it was considered science fiction. But now, 70 years later, you can't walk down the street without seeing someone wearing headphones. Everywhere you look, you see people with what looks like little hair dryers in their ears, playing them the latest songs and bringing them the latest news. It all makes you wonder, what do you think is science fiction today that in 70 years will be part of everyday life? After all, the imaginary is only one inventor away from becoming real. Oh, hi there! Welcome back to Pflugerville! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's sidekick is a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have energy for projects of my own, like... Uh, huh? Oh, what happened? Sorry, power nap! Where was I? Oh, right! My special project. This podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right. Lucy Wow invented me in order to add a little kapow to her wow. And we've been working together ever since. 
Speaking of working together, today we're going to talk about tons of people working together because our invention is crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is when you ask a lot of people to put small amounts of money in an account. All of those small amounts of money create one big amount of money and that is used to fund or pay for the creation of a piece of art or a new invention or a better world. For example, if a thousand people give me two pennies each, I'll have $20 that I can use to buy jean short pizza. By crowdfunding, I've just turned the two cents they didn't want into a pizza that I ate. Wow. That's what I call progress. One of the great things about crowdfunding is that since everyone is only giving a little, they don't need to be repaid. So the person who makes the thing gets all the reward, which is kind of how it should be. Crowdfunding is part of daily life now, thanks to the internet, but it isn't a new idea. In fact, it was arguably invented by one of the most famous writers of the late 1600s, Jonathan Swift. Jonathan was the author of the mega bestseller, Gulliver's Travels. When Jonathan wasn't dreaming up of new worlds filled with giants and pocket-sized Lilliputians, he was dreaming of making the world a better place. He came up with the idea of using his fame to bring attention to good causes and convince people to give a little and do lots of good. Just like that, crowdfunding was born. But even though Jonathan was famous since it was the 1600s and there was no internet or phones, he could only reach people he saw in person. By the early 2000s, the internet had gone worldwide and all that had changed. It was now possible for anyone to talk to the world. A man in Europe could talk to a woman in Asia with a click of a button. A sick child in Brazil could get their medical bills paid by a stranger in Australia. Soon, artists and companies were putting their ideas online and asking if people would invest a small amount of money into them. With all the billions of people around the world, it turned out a good idea could raise a lot of money. I mean, think about it. If only half the world gave me a dollar, I'd have over three billion dollars. And that could buy me a lot of jean short pizzas. Soon, internet crowdfunding changed the lives of artists, game designers, and entertainers. By 2005, Matt Flannery and Jessica Jackley started a company called Kiva that took this idea into the business of business. Kiva, which means unity in Swahili, finds companies that could help their community with a little bit of investment and then crowdfunds for them. And the cool part is that once the companies are making money, they give that first money back and it goes into another company on the site. So now, one small investment in one company becomes a small investment in many companies. People loved Kiva. Shortly after its first anniversary in October 2006, it had given $1 million to new companies that were helping their communities to grow and prosper. But of all the crowdfunding tools, perhaps the most famous is Kickstarter. Kickstarter is an American company based in Brooklyn, New York that does global crowdfunding focused on creativity. As of July 2021, 
Kickstarter received nearly $6 billion in pledges from nearly 20 million backers to fund 205,000 projects, such as film, music, comics, video games, and food-related projects. The crowdfunding industry has become a popular option for people to promote their ideas and help turn them into a reality. Every year, crowdfunding raises billions of dollars for projects that would otherwise never be created. And you know what the best part of that is? It's that it shows that people from different parts of the world want the same thing. A more creative, more inventive community where good ideas become a reality and lonely pennies become pizza. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another Kapow's Power of Invention podcast. Come back tomorrow when I'll be covering more inventors and inventions. And while you're waiting, you do realize there are just a slew of shows that take place in Pflugerville, right? It's true! There's Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn, inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat Kapow. Hey, that's me! Lucy goes big, and then she goes bigger! Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, you should check out R.L. Stein's Story Club. That's a real winner! I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories. And you can too! Keep on the lights, folks! Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find your way. And don't forget, Friday's Listener Mailbag. If you've got a question about the world of Go Kid Go shows, Pflugerville, or little old me, send it to kapow at gokidgo.com. You might get your question read live on the show. It's very exciting. Have yourself an inventive day. Make something, build something, go big, and then go bigger. Until next time, this is Kapow signing off. Go Kid Go! Go Kid Go! 